It's your host, India Yarbrough, back with another installment of It's Your Business. Though some effects of the COVID-19 pandemic are still being realized, one thing is for sure. The pandemic shined a light on a number of inequities in our society. Well, my guests on the show today are here to talk with me about one of those issues, which has ramifications for healthcare, education, and even our local business community. Any guess what it might be? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome a couple guests to the show this week who are here to talk with me about digital equity in our community. Here with me today is Lazone Gray, CEO of local nonprofit IBSA Inc., and Scott Gowan, Chief Information Officer for Topeka Public Schools. Lazone, Scott, welcome to the It's Your Business podcast. Thanks for being with us. Thank, Thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, happy to have you guys on today. Um, to start, could each of you talk a bit about you know how you became involved in local discussions about digital equity um, and why the topic is important to you? Uh, Scott, maybe we'll start with you since I have spoken with uh, Lizone before that about this topic. Good. Sounds good. Well, um, it actually began uh, with the initiative that, that uh, the community was doing in order to initiate a broadband um, entity that would provide services throughout the Topeka and Shawnee County area. Um, that was a couple years ago, and then when the pandemic hit, uh, the school district had to get a little bit more um, hands-on in terms of what we needed to do for our students right now. And so uh, we began an initiative with Cox where the school district actually paid for services for the families who were eligible for free and reduced lunch. Um, and, and as that became, as we were rolling that out and making that available to our families, um, there was interest from the uh, city's public health and safety commission uh, to come explain to them what we were doing and and why we were doing it and how it was going and so uh, it was at that meeting that i met lazone and uh, other community leaders who were working on similar initiatives each in our own little respective areas Mm -hmm. and um, and eventually uh, councilman neil dobler uh, reached out to several of us who had our little initiatives going and said, you know, we should probably work together on something to kind of put this all together. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much what leads us here today. Yeah, and I imagine that's how you two became connected, correct? That is definitely yes. how the two of us became connected. Gotcha, okay. And, Lizone... <laughs> and best friends. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Uh, Lazone, can you talk to us a bit about, you know, how you became uh, interested in this topic of digital equity? Uh, of course, I know that's something that your nonprofit has uh, kind of aimed to tackle in the past. Uh, talk to us about how this topic became, uh, you know, a sticking point for you. Well, I've been talking to this issue of digital inclusion, equity, uh, and justice, gosh, maybe 15 or 20 years. You know, having used computers before, computers uh, sort of transformed my life. The things that we're doing now is technology, and I can see, I sort of feel I can see a future on how technology is a game changer for different households. And There are populations that have been identified really by the pandemic that really didn't have access to not just the connectivity or the devices, but also the skills training as well. And so I sort of felt that uh, if uh, if I spoke to it even back then, and I'm a part of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, which are practitioners who eat, drink, and breathe this stuff every day, that if I could go out and find even more information and bring it back here to the city where I live and share it and keep that drumbeat going that eventually we could start seeing where our gaps are in the community and then let's start strategizing on what we can do about it. Uh, 
unfortunately, it might have taken a pandemic for these things to come up. Mm-hmm. But I guess, as they say, better late than never. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I feel very fortunate from the time that you did the previous article on is that uh, Councilman Dobler did take on the mantle of this and then bring us and did bring us together. And all of us are bringing uh, a strength to the table to fix the whole that I may talk about it, but talking and doing is two separate things. Mm-hmm. We have doers at the table. And we are, I, I say, I can say that we are doing some things that that's what teams do. We're working as a team and we're making things happen. Yeah. And of course, we were chatting a bit before the show and um, you mentioned, you know, that you have, this has been a, a, a topic of interest for several years, mm-hmm. but it's it's really taken some of these people coming together and recognizing the importance of, of this issue of digital equity to, to really uh, make some progress on, on that issue. Um, and in talking about, you know, digital equity. And of course, um, you know, it's it's about ensuring that everyone in the community has access to the technology they need to, you know, become active, productive members of society, but also just to fully participate in society, right? Um, given your kind of different backgrounds, uh, you are on the nonprofit side, of course, you're on the education side. Uh, could each of you talk about how, um, what digital equity looks like, true digital equity looks like in your specific s- sphere? And Lazone, since we started with Scott last time, I'll go to you first this time. Well, for me, uh, cities are large areas. There's neighborhoods inside of communities. Some are wealthier than the others. For me, the digital equity is not to uh, diminish what wealthier neighborhoods can have, but to make sure that there is an equitable platform pathway in those communities that have historically been left behind because of investments. In Topeka, people could say East Topeka is part of that. There is a city health map that shows neighborhoods that are at risk uh, and deemed in intensive care. And so for me, I would see that taking in consideration different factors. The Our, our local bus doesn't run on Sunday and it stops at six. Uh, our workforce centers are not open on the weekends. And so digital equity to me means that in, in these neighborhoods, there's some place, some space, some safe place and space that people can walk up to, ride their bicycle up to, and take advantage of accessing the internet and having access to some unique digital skills training. Not just how do you move a mouse and turn on a computer, but Mm -hmm. we're talking about having you come in and talking about the basics of podcasting. Mm -hmm. You know, video editing, uh, where people can sit down and use a computer and places that are on site where there are classes. The library will always have theirs, but there are other parts in the neighborhood. And a lot of times, evening after school and weekends, is the time when young people and adults may have the time to go and self-empower themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if we have facilities in the neighborhoods around the city and in the county where people can sort of go and self-serve themselves, young people with computers that they already have from 501, they can come to a building and do some things. We can bring other people in with specific skills to sort of expand their minds. Once some sort of like a rubber band. Once the mind's expanded, mm-hmm. it doesn't go back to its former <laughs> spot. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can't miss this moment of opportunity of making sure that our community isn't left behind and understanding the, the value and the techniques and the opportunity mm-hmm. that the digital era that we have provides. 
Yeah, and it, it sounds like you're suggesting there too that because technology has improved and advanced so much in recent years, it really takes more than just knowing how to turn on a computer to to truly have that digital knowledge, yes. right? To to participate in society. Yes. Awesome. Well, and Scott, from the education side of things. 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my perspective from the education side of things uh, is more of an evolution. It kind of began with uh, one-to-one initiatives. And, and, of course, Topeka Public Schools has had a one-to-one initiative for some time now. Um, that first step is kind of getting a device in the hands of a student because that device is the first barrier. Mm-hmm. And then the second barrier is, okay, now I have that device. What do I do with it when I am at home? And um, in some cases, our students take the devices home and didn't have a connection. And so that second that second step is basically getting them some sort of a connection. And that's that's what, you know, with the, with the pandemic and with the help of the Kansas Department of Commerce, uh, we were able to do that with our students this fall. Um, but that third step is really, okay, now I have the device, now I have a connection, what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And so it's that third step that I think digital equity really hits home on. So if I've grown up in a family that's always been connected and always has had a device in the home, I know what I'm doing with it. And, and so that, that creates a difference between those who have had that their whole life as students and those who have not even had it until now as students. And so that's where digital equity really comes into play. And so our efforts together as a team uh, is really centered around, yeah, okay, we're going we're to make sure they get a device. And yeah, okay, we're going to make sure that they get connected. But really, we want to help level that playing field on what do you do with that device and connection. Mm-hmm. And so we want to start talking about things like health, finance, employment, research, even just looking for services. So if I'm a family at home and I've never had a connection to an internet, I don't know that that stuff's out there. Mm-hmm. Or I may know of it, but I don't even know that first step to get to it. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure we're not only providing the device, the connection, and the knowledge to be able to use the device and connection, but we want to make sure that they understand these are what people use this for in order to have an advantage in life. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, we want to level that playing field. And so that's what this team has really, really set out to do. You know, we're, we're basically looking to set up centers where families that have not previously been able to participate in that segment of our economy can now get on there, learn a little bit about it, Experiment with, experiment with it and do some sort of gradual release of responsibility, as we say in the education environment, and and learn how to make that part of their lives. And, and that's the one thing that the team really talks a lot about is, yes, we can put the resources out there. Yes, we can point them in the right direction for the services. But unless we also get them to adopt it as part of their life, we are not making the change we think we're making. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you make a good point there, too, when you suggested a, a minute ago that, you know, some people, you know, it's te- this sort of technology is so second nature to them because mm-hmm. they have, it's been a part of their life forever, right? Yep. They grew Digital up with natives. a computer. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that's something, you know, many people might not recognize that, that certain level of privilege that comes with having had a computer or access to a computer your Absolutely. entire life. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, it's something that's interesting for people to, to think about and, and recognize. Absolutely. Um, well, and as far as both of your work on, on this committee, um, can you talk about what progress you've seen so far? You know, what as far as, you know, since you guys came together, what progress has been made that has, has been encouraging? Well, I, I got to say the one thing that uh, to me has been a real mark of progress is that each of us did some unique things and, and really were contributing to solving this problem within our unique institutions and Topeka Public Schools being just one of them. And so we have had some accomplishments as individuals 
the part that to me was remarkable was when we started comparing notes and we, when we started saying, okay, that really, really worked well for us. Um, that worked well for them. That worked well for them. How do we combine these things and, and you know, make that a better program for our whole community? And that's the part that's really starting to gel and really starting to take hold. You know, by the time you include some of our other stakeholders, like the public library, um, Jayhawk's uh, Area Aging, mm-hmm. I, I may not get them all right. <laughs> I think it's Jayhawk Area Agency on Aging. And, 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 and of course, the city yes, itself, yes. Uh, <laughs> working with the neighborhood, um, the neighborhood relationships team. And so um, these pieces all coming together, that's the part that I think is really making a difference right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking the synergies that each of us had individually and saying, okay, Lazone's been doing this for, what, 15 years? (laughs) Maybe go to 20? (laughs) (laughs) He's been doing this for a while. And so having somebody who's been in these communities to be able to say, yeah, we've had these programs in place before, but they're not reaching here. How do we reach here? And then, then of course, Monique from, uh, from the Neighborhood Relations team has been able to reach out and and, and provide other types of services to the community. So we're going to use that model that she's had success with, and we're going to use some of the things that Topeka Public Schools has had success with and the libraries had success with, and we're going to put those all together, and we're going to make sure that our families have success with the things that we, you and I take for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that what I've always tried to promote, um, there's three things. There's the digital uh inclusion, some type of a digital equity strategic plan, some type of uh, coalition, digital coalition, and then some type of uh, digital inclusion fund so that we could fund initiatives further down the road. Monies won't last forever, but give those in the community, some tech companies, some banking institutions who want to financially support great initiatives, give them something concrete to work with. And so I think what it has done is that I can talk about needing a strategic equity plan, but it takes this team of people like us who are actually pulling together what that strategic equity plan is going to look like for Topeka, Mm -hmm. not Kansas City, not Utah. We have to look in our own backyard and see what we have to work with. So I see that uh, we are that digital inclusion coalition. Mm -hmm. When you look at the playbook by NDIA on digital coalition building, we are putting together a strategic equity plan for our community, and we are in the process of identifying and working on how we're going to have that not just immediate funding to get to the next level, but looking to the future on how we're going to be able to sustain what we're doing. We keep talking about sustainability. This isn't just a one and done because technology isn't going to stop where it's at. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those are the things that I've seen that you know really uh, has come about from our coming together, working together, and bringing the important voices to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and when you and I spoke last year, of course, you um, kind of laid out this, uh, I mean, you. this is something you've been thinking about for a while, and you <laughs> laid out several solutions that, you know, these are potential solutions we could tackle locally that would really make a difference. Um, have any of those solutions that you've presented, uh, you know, has there been any progress on, on any of those points? I say yes. Okay. Uh, uh, the Digital Inclusion Coalition, which was one, that's what we are. And when mm-hmm. we look at the framework of what that is, who should be at the table, school should be at the table, city should be at the table, uh, and a couple of others who are at the table with us. We are working on, uh, I think I really enjoy working with Scott because he has a strength that I don't have. I can talk. 
you know. <laughs> but Scott, he actually puts the words down on paper, you know. And so the framework that we first started working with, it was a beautiful document. And now we're working on putting that together because of, of the need of, of, uh, of a funding opportunity. And so I could not have done that work of what Scott has done. So we are, it is forcing us to create a strategic equity plan way of thinking mm -hmm. that's going to come into a document. And uh, that has led to um, even, I can't say that the city has pledged funds, but I know that they are very supportive on helping us find them mm -hmm. and securing them as well. And having uh, the Greater Topeka Partnership at the table, Michelle Stubblefield, mm -hmm. you know, they are, uh, from her perspective, they're 100% behind us as well. And so using the, the strengths that we bring individually to the table, I'm very pleased that uh, what we talked about then is manifesting now into I can point to people and individuals and things being done and saying we're on our way, we're doing things. It's enough to have gotten us here to talk to you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as you know, what still needs to be done, um, of course, you guys coming together has been a great first step, um, and it sounds like there is more buy-in from community members, from mm -hmm. people in, in positions of power in the community. Um, what work do you think still needs to be done? What steps need to be taken to truly reach that um, equitable community? Well, I can tell you some of the first steps that we are taking. Uh, we are currently applying for a grant. Um, that will fund an FTE, basically the city to hire an FTE, an FTE in order to be able to uh, provide the kinds of services and guide people towards the services that and we're for, looking for. For those who don't know, could you Full explain? Full-time equivalent. There we go. <laughs> so we're actually going to look at two part-time staff members um, to be working with the city, uh, one of whom will be our digital navigator, and that's basically the person who will point uh, families towards services and families towards opportunities that they can be do doing within this environment. And then the other uh, part-time FTE, uh, the other part-time person <laughs> will be uh, working with technical support because we recognize an area of need is technical support. Mm -hmm. um, again, you can have the device, you can have the connection, but if those two things aren't working well together, then you don't have an experience that a person's going to want to repeat. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we want to make sure we have that technical support piece in place as well. So those are our first steps that we're planning to take, and we, and we are pursuing a grant to be able to fund that. Uh, the second steps, of course, would be to look at some of our federal and state grant funds that are available to us um, through the city or through other entities, and try to find those opportunities and aim them in the right direction to support this initiative. Um, the three-year grant that we're looking at, one of the footprints we expect to see out of this is, is being able to have a permanent structure in some of our neighborhoods that our school district is serving and, and that your organization is serving and that, the, uh, that are being identified and worked through with the neighborhood relations group out of the city um, as well. And so since we all since we all can see these manifestations, we want to be we want to have a permanent footprint in there as well to be able to to be able to help with that, and that that will open the door for our community organizations to come in, provide support, provide education. Hey, did you know you can do this? And and those little one-off programs and 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 even some series that we can provide in those in those neighborhood areas will really help people with the adoption process mm -hmm. because again, we can provide all the resources and you know, all of the tools and, and all of the services. But if we don't get their adoption, then they won't be pursuing the things that really change their lives. And that's what we want. Sure. So, so those are the next steps. But I can, I can say from the experience of Topeka Public Schools, 
Uh, there are lots of community groups out there that are so willing to help. We had we had community organizations, churches. We had other community groups who were actually paying off balances so that fa- our families could participate in the Cox partnership that the district would then pay for, um, and did pay for through this academic year. Mm-hmm. And so we want to we want to make sure that whatever whatever model we design and whatever ultimately we implement, we want our community groups that have kind of helped us this far and have helped our organizations, we want to make sure that they have a role that they can come in and and continue that work with the people that they support as well. Mm -hmm. Well, Lazone, do you have anything to add as far as kind of next steps go? Uh, Not really. I think Scott, you know, summed it up very well. Um, Part of the next steps is, especially as they're moving back to full-time school, and to make sure that we keep young people's minds engaged in going to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a 3D printer at TCALC, mm-hmm. but there and there's programming getting young people's minds mm-hmm. exposed to it, but it's not in other places in the neighborhood, I think that we're missing out on something. And so that's just sort of a part of um, uh, the same can go with drone technology. Mm-hmm. The same can go with uh, basic understanding of video editing and production production and digital stewardship talking about after school evening Mm -hmm. programs getting some young people in their neighborhoods where they can come and learn how to upgrade or repair a computer and so i'm thinking that because i've heard that some companies are not bringing employees back they're going to remote for life (laughs) you know (laughs) and they have crates of computers that they can legitimately donate to nonprofits. I'm seeing opportunity on top of opportunity that's coming down the pike. And I'm not talking immediate, you know, but the gauge should be three to five to seven years down the road. Where are we at at that point in time? Mm -hmm. We should be so far advanced than the communities that are not talking about this, who are not really bringing together the coalitions of individuals and making their plan, planting their flag and moving forward. That's going to be the game changer when we talk about – uh, tech companies need people not with great technical skills anymore. Just bring us the basics, mm-hmm. you know, and we can build you up from there. So it really is a uh, community, economic, and business development things that we have to look at. And when we start to talk about the telehealth, you know, portion of it, whereas uh, older adults in a neighborhood can be able to go to somewhere and and learn to adopt and use the technology, uh, even and if they know how to use it, they can just get a room and telecommunicate with their physician or the doctor. Mm-hmm. So we have to uh, uh, build out our neighborhoods, and that's where I see us. Uh, that's what I see where we're going and what we're going to accomplish. Yeah, and it sounds like from what you've said too that um, digital equity doesn't just touch students, right? It oh, touches people all. Yeah, of everybody. all ages. <laughs> from I mean, from that grandmother yes. trying to access her online doctor's appointment yes. to um, that child who's learning how to to type for the first time. And I mean, it spans lots of different sectors of the community. Yes. If I may, uh, one of our experiences uh, Topeka Public Schools this fall was uh, when our students were at home and we began the year with remote learning. Um, it, for the most part, it wasn't the parents that were with them. It was the grandparents, and mm-hmm. it wasn't the parents yes. who was who were helping the preschool student and and even the kindergarten student connect for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was grandparents for whom that wasn't necessarily what they planned to do, to do this fall. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, absolutely. 
the, for the, from the school district's perspective, there is just as much value in us getting our schools and families connected as there is in getting our community connected. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we want to see this happen. And to add one more thing on, sure. uh, there's, you know, the talk about people going back to work. And, of course, child care is one part of it. But one of the reasons had been uh, had we had approached DCF to get them engaged where they would be willing to purchase a computer or Internet access for those receiving cash assistance or food assistance who are in approved job training programs and seeking work is because getting back to work, a lot of it is going to be about going online. When I first started, in, I'm not going to say when, <laughs> 99% of the job applications were print applications. Mm-hmm. Probably 99% of the job applications now are probably online. Mm-hmm. And so giving them the tools to not just go online and search for work, but have the equipment to have the connectivity because if we change the income level in the household, we are helping the children Mm -hmm. in that household as well. And we don't want, I don't want to see a household, adult or young person, always be eligible for free or reduced lunch. I want them to be able to use technology and get them one of them sixty or seventy thousand dollar a year jobs to where they can pay the fifty dollar a month, you know, service that this can be sort of transitional, that if we do it right, that it's going to help a person get their foot in the door, better themselves, get to a better position in life. And then that just opens the door for the next poor family that's going to need access to these services. Mm-hmm. So there's a real, I mean, career readiness yes. component here. There's Absolutely. a real yes. access to the job application in the first place yes. component. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all about the equity again. Mm-hmm. It's all about the equity. Those who have already been experiencing this. And, and maybe even for generations yes. in their families. Those who've already been experiencing this are, are really leaps and bounds ahead as far as advantages go mm-hmm. in that career field. And so we want to make sure, not only do we want to level the playing field, but we actually want to accelerate for the area of Topeka so that we can make a difference for all of us yes. economically. Mm-hmm. Well, and in talking about kind of who is a part of this discussion so far, um, who or or maybe what when it comes to businesses, you know, who do you think still needs to come on board or buy into this this issue, this discussion um, to truly take those steps forward to make a difference? I mean, who isn't part of the conversation that should be? Um, well, that's that's kind of a loaded question. I mean, I would say the the general public are are not in this conversation right now. Um, we, we need to know what they see as barriers. And so I would say that a big voice I'd like to hear from, and I'm pretty sure we've had this discussion before, I think a big voice I'd like to hear from might be the public. How can, you know, how can we help you do some of the things that I do, you do, we do, online so that it helps you have those advantages in the future? Um, I think in, in another audience that it would be great to hear from, I know Lazone and I have had this conversation, is, is the county. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're taking our first steps with the city, but, you know, um, we have a bigger picture to look at in our county. Um, Topeka taking those first steps is an outstanding idea, but we want to make sure the county is not far behind on that implementation. So. Mm-hmm. Well, in Lazone, do you have anything else to add? Anyone else that you think um, or people or perspectives that are missing from the conversation currently? Oh, yes, uh, of course. Uh, and I have always, fortunately, being a part of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, they've actually been a leading voice in setting together the platform for people like myself. And so they have like a coalition guidebook. 
uh, and it's, it mentions people who should be at the pay table, is it us, or they shouldn't be involved. And media organizations is one, and here we are with you. <laughs> uh, Doing part, huh? <laughs> workforce development organizations. There mm-hmm. are already federal funds that comes to cities uh, and states to pay for uh, specific job skills training through our workforce centers. So uh, we probably ha- we ha- definitely have to have them at the table. There are uh, uh, banks under the Community Reinvestment Act. There are things now that actually had been uh, driven down. How banks under the CRA can be play a, a serious role on helping to bridge the digital divide. They have equipment that they can donate. Uh, they have monies that they can donate to organizations doing specific digital equity and inclusion programs in neighborhoods. Uh, I think that after we get ourselves together and have that strategy and things, it'll be a lot easier to speak with these different entities. I had been doing this for a while, and especially even in Kansas City, putting together large, uh, a large project. And we did have a digital inclusion summit, you know, which really bought the community together to ask those questions. So I'm hoping that uh, our group can probably have some type of convening when the moment is right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that even this podcast should solicit, uh, elicit people either asking questions or saying, how can I be a part of it? Mm-hmm. We have done things in this city through the uh, JADO, the Sales Tax for Economic Development, when we had 712 Innovation. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a maker space and a coworker space. When it was first an idea, people were like, ah. But then eventually the voices prevailed. We got it. And now we can see how these things were important. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that those are giving us ideas and things to build upon so that people who are part of makerspaces, those millennials, geeks, nerds, may want to come and say, hey, I'll teach a class on repairing a computer furbisher, you know, in East Topeka or Oakland or something in the nature there. I think that there's a lot of people who want to give up their time mm-hmm. in this specific space. They just don't know where to go or who to ask. And what we can do is make it a clear path to make it easier for them to find out. Mm-hmm. And that's really where those neighborhood organizations can come in as well. Because, I, you know, churches would love to be part of this activity. Yes. In fact, they were they were constantly in contact with Topeka Public Schools. How can I help? Who can I help? And so those are pieces that they can play. Um, they can they can host an event that we you know we can help get the right people to. And so they, they can they can be conveying that message mm-hmm. and, and showing people how to do those things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with involving our whole community yeah. in this ine- in, in this endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes to getting in touch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is there a certain point person on your committee that people in the public might be able to reach out to if they wanted to, you know, voice their opinion or even just get more information? I think all of us would be happy to take okay. that call. <laughs> I will say that we are, for the purposes of organizing, we are going to set up through the neighborhood relations um, at the city of Topeka. Um, that would be a great first start, but I, I don't know anyone on this committee that would turn down a phone call. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> and I think that uh, it's only going to be a short matter of time if we'll know if the uh, grant proposal that exactly. was awarded, yeah. which would bring on that, that, uh, voice, that digital that, navigator. Yeah, absolutely. And then that will give us a, a, a consistent point person gotcha. for them to reach out on any of the... Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, and I, I'll encourage people too, if, if you want to get any message to Scott or Lazone, feel free to shoot yes, me an email as well. Absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate CBD yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Iyarbrough at cjonline.com. Yes. Yes. Well, and, you know, as we have this discussion about digital equity, is there any, you know, anything I haven't asked about that you think is important to point out? Is there anything I'm missing when it comes to this conversation that uh, is important to shed light on? 
The only thing that I would say is that digital equity is a subset of equity. And and so um, part of our passion and part of our desire to see this initiative through uh, stems from the fact that, you know, we want to see equity because, you know, the 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 more equitable that our economic environment, our social environment, our our neighborhood, the more equitable that we see things happening there, uh, the better it will be for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of passion in, especially, you know, those of us that are working together in this initiative, but in education, I mean, obviously there's a lot of passion in that. And when we see the family coming in with disadvantages, whether it be learning disadvantages or whether it be social disadvantages, we wanna do our best to make sure that those disadvantages are leveled. And, and make sure that they have that opportunity to succeed. And this is going to drive it. I would say that uh, we are we are in a once in a pandemic opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, where more money is available for us to do things we just talked about in a way to whereas we'll be able to shout about, enjoy, you know, and I don't want uh, to miss this opportunity. I'm glad, you know, I lost some friends d- to the COVID, uh, I'm glad that I made it, that my voice is still around. And so monies has from the previous CARES Act was there. There are other monies coming to city, states, and counties. Uh, and there's probably going to be future policies and monies. So uh, and Zoom meetings are probably not going to go away. And the need, the digital divide isn't going to go away as well. So here's a great opportunity for us to use some resources that would have never been available, financial resources, human capital, human resources, people who would have never came together to speak about this or actually say, we're going to do something about it than ever before. And so one of the things that I would like to know, as Scott had mentioned, from the people from not just the county, but from the state level, who are sitting in back rooms and planning about broadband development, deployment, and infrastructure. That's not really our lane. Mm -hmm. We're taking care of that digital equity inclusion uh, portion of it. Mm -hmm. So if they do their part, and we have partners like Cox at the mm-hmm. table, and, and we had met with the state broadband office, the leadership there, I think that uh, as a competitor, I believe, I'm in Topeka, Kansas, the capital of Kansas. I believe that capital city should lead by example. So the things that I want to get involved with here, I want to be done first than anywhere else in the state, <laughs> any other city, and that people would want to say, we need to go to city to Topeka to see how they did that because we need that here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's just my mindset. Yeah, well, and we've heard a lot about public-private partnerships in yeah, recent absolutely. years, and it sounds yes. like that's going to be crucial for, yes. for this initiative. Well, and I, the only thing I would piggyback off of what Lazone said is that, yeah, this is the, in terms of alignment, this is an optimal time to really push these initiatives. Yeah. But all of us have to be mindful of the fact that that time is limited. Yes. Mm. And those funds are limited. And at some point down the road, we need to have created enough economic opportunity that this is self-sustaining. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, well, Scott, Lazone, that about wraps up our conversation today. Is there uh, anything else in your mind? Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Thank you, and dive in. Yeah, thank you, India. As I said before, you are you're a great reporter, and I really personally thank you for helping to amplify the voice of our organization, the community, and the things that – Uh, that I'm trying to do in this community. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you both for joining me today. Thank you.
If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. We drop new episodes of It's Your Business every other week, so be sure to check back here for the latest. As always, if you have any suggestions about what you'd like to hear, feel free to reach out. You can find me on Twitter at IA Yarbor, that's at I-A-Y-A-R-B-O-R, or you can look me up at cgonline.com and shoot me an email. I'll catch you next time. And don't forget, it's your business, Topeka. Thank you.